Alrighty, Parshas Kisovo. It's hard to believe we are closing in on the end of Sefer Dvarim. I feel like we just started Bracious again. I don't know how the where the whole year goes. Soon. Mirza Hashem. Can we skip right to Simchas Torah? I'd be very happy if we could fast forward right to Simchas Torah. Alright, Parshas Kisavo. Page 1068 in the Stone Chumash. As is our uh, custom, we'll try to give a uh, brief overview of the Parsha and delve into our Pesukim. So, of course, the uh, Parsha begins with the mitzvah of Bikurim, the obligation of the farmer to bring his first fruits to Yerushalayim, to the big based on Mikdash, to give them to the uh, Kohen. A fantastic ceremony. If you learn the Mishnah's Bikurim, you see it's a ceremony that's replete with tremendous pomp and circumstance. The Rambam describes, the Mishnahis describe that the farmer brings the Bikurim of the first fruit. It could be a tiny little fig, a tiny little date, a tiny little nothing. And yet he brings it in a basket all dressed up. Music and ceremony and pomp and circumstance. It's huge. And it's nothing. It's a tiny little fruit. And yet, Meiser, Truma, that you separated such a bigger percentage, tithing, 10%, Truma, 40 to 50 to 60, depending how generous you are. But Maisa, 10%, 10% is much more significant than a fig, a date, a little fruit. And yet, there's no pomp and circumstance. You separate from your farm, you find the Kohen or Levi, and you give it. And there's no ceremony, and there's no music, and there's no band, there's no, there's no grandstand, there's nothing. Why the difference? So one of my Rebbeim, Rev. J.J. Schachter, explained that the difference is the first. The Bikurim are your first fruit. Right? The Meiser, you get to keep 90%. So you give 10%, it's generous, but you get to keep 90%. Your first fruit, you don't know what's coming afterwards. Who knows if there will be an afterwards? Who knows what else is destined to grow? The farmer's willingness to give the first fruit, despite not knowing confidently what's going to come afterwards, is a tremendous display of Amuna. What an incredible display of faith to be willing to give the first. Moreover, we all take incredible pride in the first. Right? You plant something, you, pl- you take care of it, you, you nurture it, you nourish it, you watch it grow. The first of something, right? How many restaurants in Israel have the first dollar hanging on the wall? It's not the Rebbe's dollar, it's the first dollar. Whoever paid the first dollar, that first dollar had a dream and had the courage to open that store, to start that business. The first dollar, there it is hanging on the wall. What if God said, that first dollar, give it to me. I want you to know that that dollar and all subsequent ones come from me. Give me the first. You don't think that store owner would struggle? It's my first dollar. I got the scotch tape ready. I want to put it on the wall. So the farmer comes to Yushalayim with the first fruit, the Bikurim, not knowing what else will come. That is a greater display of Amuna than the farmer who harvests an entire field, gets to keep 90%, 10% he gives to the Levi. 40th or 50th or 60th he gives to the Kohen. This is a greater display of Emuna, and therefore it has the pomp and circumstance. Azayzakt Rabbi JJ Shafter Shalita. Okay, so that's the Bikurim. We have within the context of Bikurim, I think I've mentioned this to you in the past, we will not spend time on it now, but the farmer offers a confession. It's called the Vidoy Bikurim. The Vidoy Meiser. The Vidoy Meiser. He offers a, a confession, but it's kind of a bizarre confession. Listen to what he says as part of the confession. It's verse 5. Uh, not verse 5. Hold on. Yeah. Kisa, right. The Vidoy Meiser. Sorry, verse 13. When he brings his Meiser, you know, there's the, we just covered this in the Dafyomi. Those learning the Dafyomi. There's Man Biur. But, We covered it actually having to do with Shemitah, not Meiser. I have not violated one commandment, nor have I forgotten, nor have I omitted a detail, anything. I have done nothing wrong. I have not eaten it while in the Ninas, while in mourning. I have eaten it joyously. And this is called by our Chazal, Vidoy Meiser. The confession of Meiser. What's unusual about this confession? What's unusual about this confession? It's not a confession. Normally confession is an admission. Here's what I did wrong. Here's my regret and remorse. Here's my pledge and commitment to change going forward. And this is a vidoy Meiser. It's called vidoy. It's called confession. And yet, it utterly lacks confession. 
I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't need it the wrong way. I didn't have the wrong feeling. I, didn't, I did everything right. And there you go, that's my confession. So this actually tells us a lot about what confession really is. We're going to be saying a lot of vidui over the next few weeks. And this tells us, Slichos and uh, Yom Kippur, what vidui really is. Rav talked about it. Rav Pinkis talked about it. We learn from vidui Meiser much of what vidui is because this is a vidui without a confession. So it's a misnomer to think of vidui as confession. It's something so much more, but we don't have time for it now. Then we have the uh, Torah tells us the relationship of God and the Jewish people. We spoke about that a few weeks last few weeks ago. The notion of being an Am Segula, a treasured people. A Segula is not a superstition. A Segula is not some superficial false promise. A Segula is not a red bendel. A Segula means to keep Torah and mitzvot. To be God's Am Segula, to be God's treasured people means to observe His sacred commands. We have 613 Segulas. We don't need to find creative new ones. Torah then tells us, Moshe Rabbeinu keeps coming at the Jewish people. Observe, embrace, keep, safeguard, protect the mitzvahs that God is giving you. Hayom. If there's a word that appears over and over and over and over again in, in Sefer Dvarim, in Moshe's monologue to the Jewish people, it's Hayom. And what's his message with Hayom? Don't wait for tomorrow. When I retire, I'm going to learn. Next year, I'll daven bekavan and start going to shul. I'll be a better father, mother, husband, or what? Today, hayom. Don't do tomorrow what you can do today. The Torah is renewed each and every day. It's anew. Our attitude should be it's kechadashim as if it's fresh each and every day. The concept of of hayom. When you cross the Yardin, and here we have a new commitment. The Jewish people renew their pledge. Here is a fascinating story. Moshe commands the Jewish people that very short time from then, he's about to die. Remember, these are the last days and weeks of his life. When they're going to enter the land of Israel, they're going to renew the bris. They're going to reestablish the covenant with God and they're going to do so. It will be memorialized by inscribing the entire Torah on 12 huge stones. They're going to bring karbonos and then they're going to go to the top of Har Grizim and Har Eva where you can visit Israel today. And Levium stand in the middle. They're going to say the the blessings and the curses as we'll see momentarily. So this is a commandment, Divrei Torah. They're going to inscribe the Torah on these stones. What do they inscribe on the, to- on the stones is a matter of debate. Why are they inscribing them on the stones that they place in the middle of the Yardin? Um, there's a lot of very beautiful answers which are given. We gave a drusha one year about it. One of the beautiful ones is it's essentially a mezuzah to the land of Israel. Very beautiful. They're inscribing the Torah on these stones that sit at the threshold, at the gateway, at the entrance to the land of Israel. What the purpose the mezuzah serves to the home is the purpose these stones serve to the land of Israel. You want to come into the land of Israel? You're a tourist? Jew, Gentile alike? Any nation of the world? You want to visit the land of Israel? No problem. Kiss our mezuzah. This is the mezuzah. These are the stones. They have the Torah. Understand our values, our priorities, our ethics, our morals. Understand who we are. We suggested in that uh, drush a few years ago that if you notice, if the language here parallels very much the story of the luchos, the kasavta alein is called the Torah azos ba'avracha, ba'ba'ba'lamavaya. The the language is very very similar. The kasavta alavanim is called the Torah azos ba'erhitev. Very a lot of parallels, and perhaps the idea is that God gave us the first set of luchos; He engraved them. Now the Jewish, the second set of luchos, Moshe engraved them. The third, now this is like the Jewish people as a whole. What greater statement of affirmation of the values of Torah than to inscribe it ourselves? Not to inscribe it only on a, on the uh, luchos, but on our hearts. Okay, good. And that brings us to the story of the blessings and the curses, which is what we're going to examine a little bit more closely today. As soon as they enter the land, they go on the top of the two mountains, Har Grizim and Har Eval. The so that's a machlokas. What does it mean, the Torah? What's engraved on the stones? No, that's no, not what's engraved. They, they put some kind of coating on it. But Sid, yeah, because yeah, otherwise it will, uh, for it to last, they cover it with some type of cement. Yeah. The English says plaster. Plaster, 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 cement. The Sarat Osam Basid. Sid is not a old Jewish name. It's a yeah, but if you coat it, you have to coat it with something to avoid the graffiti of all those other nations that come in afterwards. Mm-hmm. All the summer programs that visit Israel. They set up a second... Birthright, you know. Birthright was here. 
they set up a second set, one in the left of the yard, and a second set when they got into the land. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Sefer Yoshua, you actually have the, uh, you have them fulfilling this when they come in. Okay. So uh, next, the Har Grisman Har Eva, six um, tribes on the top of each mountain, the Levim in the middle, they call out the, the blessings and the curses, and the people on each side answer Amen. And again, this is the continuation of the reaffirmation of the bris, of the uh, renewing of the covenant, of that commitment towards one another, a certain recreation of Harsina, so to say. And why is it that specifically these things are chosen? So that's worthwhile to study, but not for now. All the arurs, all the uh, things that were cursed for, why specifically these things, they reflect the communal versus the individual. The Ramban says, the, uh, if you look at Pasuk Chavav, Famous Ramban on that Pasuk. Uh, what do you mean, arur? Cursed is the one who does not fulfill the Torah. What does that mean? The Ramban actually quotes one interpretation, that this is a biblical reference to Hagba, the lifting of the Torah. The one who lifts the Torah. A biblical reference to the concept of Hagba, which we see. The Gemara says Hagba and Galila are actually greater honors than getting an Aliyah. But you go give Hagba and Galila to somebody instead of giving them an Aliyah, <laughs> and uh, they're not very happy. Why? Because there's no speaking part. Yeah. Everybody wants a speaking part. They want the covered. You know? I used to have uh, a Rebbe of mine in Israel, Karen Biavna, said, you know, no man ever gets upset that he doesn't get an Aliyah on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Why does he get Never gets upset He doesn't have an aliyah On a Tuesday or Wednesday Why? He only upset When someone else Gets the aliyah If no one gets the aliyah He's not upset That he didn't have A chance to have an aliyah He's upset So why did he get the aliyah Not me? Right? So everyone wants The speaking part But the Ramban says This is a reference An allusion to Hagba But he quotes much more The Ramban We said this on Shabbat Shuva A bunch of years ago On the Drosha About outreach The Ramban says means cursed is somebody who has the opportunity to teach someone else Torah to draw someone close to lift them to enrich their lives with the value of Torah and they refrain they're passive they don't do someone cursed is the one who is bageled in public or publics or anywhere cursed is the one who is bageled by someone right you know what the term bageling means in the outreach world to be bageled is when somebody uh, says something to make sure yeah Right, so that they when you say something that, to tell you, that they, they tell you something to let right. They krechts <laughs> oy. They say, uh, I don't know. Uh, it happens to me every time I'm in a supermarket or store. Is it too early to say good Shabbos to you on a Monday? You know, uh, <laughs> uh, just to let you know that there's no yamak. No, I, I took a flight recently, and there was an old guy sitting next to me. No yamak, and he had two waters that he got in the JetBlue from the stores. He must have said to me ten times on the flight, you know. I have tzvei vaser. Do you need a vaser? Right? I have two water. Okay, I get it. You speak Yiddish. You're Jewish. Okay, I'm good. He, she offered me a water also. I'm good. I got it. You're Jewish. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Maybe ten times. Tzvei vaser. Do you need a vaser? I got it. You're Jewish. I got it. Okay, we're good. Right? So, our, why is that guy yelling, I'm Jewish? Because he's screaming out, I have a pintaliyid. Talk to my soul. Talk to my soul. I'm desperate. My soul is desperate for a conversation. Says the Ramban, when you put the headphones back on, or you close your eyes again, or you bury your face in a book or magazine, or safer, it's not enough that you don't get the mitzvah, you missed an opportunity. I would have thought I missed an opportunity. Says the Ramban, more than you missed an opportunity. You're cursed. You're cursed. If you did do what, or you didn't do? If you didn't... Lo yakim, you didn't uplift Torah. You didn't say, "Yo, where are you from? You you're Jewish. You're so." Not only take the bottle of water, I should take the conversation. He wants that man wants a conversation. You have a neighbor, you have a coworker, you have a family member, you have someone at the gym, you have someone at the supermarket. If someone says, "Why do I have to care about the Jewish community? Why do I have to care about outreach? What do I have to care about the unaffiliated? What do I have to care?" The answer is one of the answers. We were just discussing yeah. it. We're wearing a yarmulke and the people come up and say, Oh, Rabbi, how are you? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I should play the role? Absolutely. Play the role. Play the role. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, continuing the parsha.
Continuing the parsha, we have the section that we're going to study the blessings for fulfilling the commandments. Right? If we behave properly and we learn Torah properly, here are the blessings. What happens if we violate? That is the tochach of the bottom of the page one thousand and seventy-six. Yes, Rabbi Fox. Perhaps when you do a mitzvah, you do you get credit here. Yochim actually has to do the Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So we have the Tochacha. The bottom page 1076. Tochacha appears in two places. This is the second Tochacha, Moshe Rabbeinu, the rebuke, the admonition. This is the very harsh, strong um, description of what happens to a person who neglects or dismisses God's will. We claim to be in a relationship with the Almighty. God says, here are my needs. We say, not interested. Okay, here are the consequences. Here are the harsh results. What does this mean? Is this in this world? Is this in the next world? What happens? We see a lot of people dismiss and neglect God's will, and this doesn't happen to them. We see a lot of people who fulfill God's will, and this seems to happen to them. How do we understand it all? That's a topic for another time. It's no. a very important... This is a very, very important topic, a difficult topic. So harsh, in fact, is this rebuke that we read it quietly. We read it softly. We read it under our breath. We're afraid. We shake. We shudder to read it out loud. And that is the Tocha, uh, which takes up the bulk of the Parsha. Parsha ends on page 1084 with Moshe Rabbeinu's final commandment, his final mandate, his final charge to the Jewish people. You saw everything that Hashem did to Mitzrayim and to Paro, the trials. You saw everything you've been through. You need to open your heart to know. God gave you a heart to know and eyes to see and ears to hear. Right? This is like our sermon series that we're doing right now on being shalim. Right? Examining your eyes, your brain, your ears, your mouth, your heart, and on Shabbat Shuvah, your soul. God gave you the capacity 40 years you've gone through the desert. 40 years you've gone through the incubator. 40 years you've gone through the gestational period. 40 years you've experienced your ad- adolescence. Your clothing never got torn, worn. Your shoes never stopped fitting. You know why you had it all? Is so that you would know I'm God. That's it. Know there's a God in the world. Know there's a God in the world. That's what it's about. That's what it's all been about. And therefore, Parsha ends with, you know what it's all about? The totality of Torah. Do you know why? Lama'an taskilu. So that you will be taskilu. What does the word taskilu mean? So our article translates, you will succeed. The word taskilu comes from seichel. Haskalah. Haskalah. Wisdom. Seichel. Lama'an taskilu. To what? Enriched. So we gave a drasha last year on mindfulness. The mantaskilu, I tried to prove through other uses of the word, the mantaskilu means so that you will be mindful. You know what it's all about? Shmartem. You know what Shemir Samitzvos does? It makes you mindful. From how you tie your shoes in the morning to making a blessing after you use the bathroom to a bracha before you put food in your mouth to what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to listen to, what you're allowed to see, your business dealings, your medical deal, every aspect of our life it makes us mindful. The food I put in my mouth, the words that come out of my mouth, the relationships that I have, the contact, the, my awareness of time. I become a mindful person. If you're not mindful, you're dead even while you're alive. If you're just going through the motions, I think I told you the other week when I was driving and I found myself somewhere I didn't intend on going, but I was on the phone, so I wasn't mindful. You just, you know, if you're not thinking about where you're going, you're certainly going to get there. So that... Laman Taskilu means that all of Torah Ushmartim Shmir Samitzas Vasisim is to lead to a life of mindfulness. Good. This brings us to what we're going to study together today. And that is Perechaf Ches. Beginning of Perechaf Ches, Pasuk Aleph. Beginning of Chaf Ches, Pasuk Aleph. And found in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash, page 1074. I should protest having to say Stone Chumash until Hensha comes back permanently. I'm only going to call it the Art Scroll. Page 1074. This chapter is the beginning of when God describes if if you will listen and hearken 
Right? Why does the article translate as hearken? I'm sure it does. I didn't look. Hearken. Why does it translate it as hearken? Because shamoa means to listen. How do you say super listen? Really listen. Listen on steroids. Shamoa tishma. Hearken. So that's why I use the word hearken. However, the Orchayim in a number of places, not here, tells us shamoa tishma. Orchayim reminds us, im shamoa, if you're listening, tishma. Then you'll hear the message. Meaning, Every time the Torah uses that language, im shamoa tishma, only if you're there's active listening and passive listening. If you're really listening, tishma, then you will hear. Bekol Hashem the voice of God, which certainly im shamoa tishma bekol Hashem If you're listening, you'll hear the voice of God in your life. If you're not a listening person, if you're not doing active listening in your life, then you're not going to hear the voice of God. Only im shamoa, if you're listening, tishma bekol Hashem And what will you do? Lishmor, to observe his mitzvot that God is commanding you, says Moshe Rabbeinu, hayom, today. Then what happens? Unisancha Hashem lakecha elyon, God places you elyon, akol goye haaret. What does the word elyon mean? God places you? Above. Above. So are we superior? Are we better? No. Not necessarily. It's a big debate within our tradition about this. But not necessarily. Elyon means we are... Elyon means, I would say, we are the envy of. We are admired by. We are in the position of power. The Security Council, the UN, is not condemning us. They are recruiting us. The world is not delegitimizing us. They are worshipping us. They are following our leadership. Elyon doesn't have to be understood superior. Says the Ibn Ezra, Rav Avram Ibn Ezra, right? This is a halavai. This is what we long for. This is a blessing that there will be no Elyon, means there'll be no nation of the world like you. You'll be the first to arrive at every human catastrophe on the globe. You'll have a disproportionate number of Nobel Prize winners. You'll contribute to the progress and advancement of technology and of medicine. This we fulfill already. Don't ever see yourselves as better. See yourselves as, right, this we talked about in two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Elo Drusha series. Jewish exceptionalism. Jewish exceptionalism doesn't mean we're better. It demands of us to act exceptional. It doesn't mean that we are better. It means we have to act better. Say Elyon. And then what happens? If you act that way, all these blessings come upon you. All the blessings come upon you. What does that mean? The blessings come upon you. That is article translated. And they overtake you. Is that really what the word means? What is vihisigucha? If I have blessings, why do I need to be vihisigucha? Uvo alacha kol abrachas ha'elet should just say. And then, if you listen to God, you'll have these great blessings. What is vihisigucha? So says the Ibn Ezra, Uvo sheyavo me'atzmechem. Uvo means, if you listen to God, we're in, in, in a meaningful relationship with God, we observe God's will, uvo, the blessings come upon you even without your effort. Sheyavo me'atzmam. They come me'atzmam. They come on their own. Without your taking the initiative, without your aspiring, the blessings fall in your lap, so to say. They fall in your lap. Says the Sforno, Even though you're not exerting the effort, you're not pursuing the blessings, the blessings land in your lap. They fall in your lap. They grab you, they overtake you, they land in your lap. You weren't even trying for that blessing. Oh, you weren't even trying. Look out. You didn't even try for that job. They came to you. You didn't even try for this and you were blessed with the children, grandchildren. You didn't even try for... Whatever the blessing is, that's how they interpret vihisi gucha. Says the... Uh, says the kliyakar, vihisi gucha means it overtakes you. Listen to his interpretation. This is fantastic. Says the Kliyakar, uh, when you learn Torah, when you pursue. Oh, unbelievable. I just mentioned your name. When you. Why didn't you mention 
Oh, I should have mentioned Mashiach, exactly. You're right, here you are. So when you learn Hashem's Torah, then Hashem gives you the bracha without pursuing it. But here, Habirhu says the Kliyakar, Shekol HaRodef Achar Hasrara Hi Barachas Mimenu. When you run after power, leadership, an official position, it runs away from you. Habareach Minasrara Hasrara Rodefes Acharav. But when you run away from honor, when you run away from power, when you run away from leadership, it runs after you. Says the Medrash Tanachum and Vayikru. V'asrara makor l'chol ha-brachos. Ki koma shakana evi kona rabo. L'fichach amar u'nisarcha Hashem el-yon. Ki zehu asrara shalo yeus l'chanef l'vakesh osa u'lishtadel acharea. U'mikom makom yitin Hashem osa l'cha. U'meaz v'alot ti asrara rodefas acharecha v'yisigucha. So says the Kliyakar, this is a reference to the blessing of I don't want to say power in the negative way, but leadership means we should never pursue power. We should run away from it, it will pursue us. But if we live our life properly, it will pursue us, and it will overtake us. So I was reading this Kliyakar, and I was reminded. The New York Times obituary, when Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechet Tzadik V'Kadosh Levracha, passed away in 1986, March 25th, 1986, the New York Times, which I hate to ever quote, but maybe in 1986, it was doing good things. So it, uh, it had a, uh, a obituary for Moshe Feinstein. It wrote, Thousands mourn Talmudic scholar. And in it, it quotes an article that they had in 1975. 1975, they did an article trying to determine what makes a POSIK. New York Times did an article in 1975. What makes an authority in Jewish law? And now in his obituary, they recalled that article. They had asked Rav Moshe Feinstein in 1975, what makes a Gadol be Yisrael? Right? A five-foot Jew on the Lower East Side who barely speaks English and dresses like he comes from uh, Eastern Europe. How did you become so great that hundreds of thousands went to your funeral? A Gadol be Yisrael. So you know what Rav Moshe answered? Quote, You don't wake up in the morning and decide you're an expert on issues, on answers. If people see that one answer is good and another answer is good, gradually you'll be accepted. And he describes the people of the Lower East Side. Asked him he just wanted to learn. They asked him Allah questions and they liked his answers. So they told their friends and they came to ask questions. And it became well known and Rabbi Moshe Feinstein became maybe the posik of America in the 20th century. And his quotes there in that article are absolutely fantastic. So whoever pursues Surara, Surara runs away from them. And whoever runs away from Surara, Surara pursues them. Rav Moshe had no interest in being a Gadol Bisrael. Right? You, don't, you don't get a Gadol card. You don't, you don't apply to be a Gadol. A Gadol, those who want to be a Gadol, ne- by definition, never become a Gadol. It's those who the last thing on earth they ever want is to be a Gadol, then Godless pursues them. And that's the Kliyakar says, that's the bracha of Vihisigucha for it to overtake us. Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin, Shlomo Yosef Zevin, who lived in, in Israel, a great uh, Gadol of Israel, in his own right, time of the founding of the state and uh, has many many svarim uh, in his sefer Rav Zevin has a, another fascinating pshat about what Vihisigucha means he says uh, he makes a reference the Kotzkarebi had a very cryptic statement that they asked the Kotzkarebi what is Vihisigucha and he answered what does he write here uh, like the Hasagas of the Rivet on the Rambam. So what is it what did he mean? What did he mean? So the um Zevin goes on to explain what the Kotzka Rebbe meant. And he doesn't say this exactly, but I believe another interpretation of Isigucha means the following. If you look all around in life, we are showered with blessing. We have our health. Our eyes are working. Our ears are working. Our feet are working. Our hands are working. If we're blessed to have a spouse, to have children, to have grandchildren, if we're blessed to have a roof over our head, a car to drive, food to put in our mouth, if we're blessed, there are blessings all around us. But what happens in life? We don't focus on what we have. Instead, we focus on what we don't have. And our happiness too often is determined by what I don't have. If only I had that, I would be happy. Well, if your happiness is always determined by what you don't have, by definition, you'll never be happy because there'll always be something you don't have. But if your happiness is determined by what you have, then you'll always be happy because you always have something. 
So says Rav Zevin, maybe, or, or alternative pshat, V'yisigucha means, Uva alecha kol abrachos ha'ila. You'll have incredible blessing in your life, but V'yisigucha, and you'll notice it, and you'll acknowledge it, and you'll see it, and you'll embrace it. Because the greatest blessing, the greatest of all the blessings, is to know that you're blessed. To be blessed but not know it is a curse. How many celebrities and how many famous people and how many exceedingly wealthy people are cursed by their blessings because they don't see it as a blessing and it's not bringing blessing to their life. They just want more or something else. The greatest blessing of all of the blessings that exist is to see the blessing. That's the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing is to see the blessing. In fact, you could go back to the beginning of the Parsha and apply this too. You know, the Pasuk says with the Bikurim, when you bring the Bikurim, in the beginning of our Pasha, Rejoice with all the goodness that God gave you. So ask Rav Gifterzal, why is it necessary for the Torah to command the farmer to be happy? He's toiled, he's labored, he's produced his first fruit, he schlepped it and lugged it and brought it to Yerushalayim, he's graciously given to God. Why do you have to burden him to now be happy? He did everything you asked him. On top of it all, you tell him, do it with a smile. You also have to be happy. So Rav Gifter says something incredible. He says, you know, the farmer must be cognizant and aware of his emotions. You see, he's in Yerushalayim. He's bringing his first fruit. But so is every other farmer. So what are you tempted to do if you're the farmer? To look over at the next farmer's basket. Check out what's going inside the basket of your neighbor. His fruit is bigger. His fruit is juicier. His fruit is nicer. His fruit is better. He had a better crop than I had. He's blessed with greater bounty. So what might a person do? Not be happy. Therefore says the Torah with Mikra Bikurim, Look in your basket. Be happy. Be happy with with the gift that God has given you. Right? I could uh, spend the hours talking about this, one of my favorite topics, but simcha is a, happiness is a decision, it's not an emotion. The root of simcha, sam mawach, where you place your brain, what you choose to think about, whether you look in your basket or that of your neighbor. Simcha is a decision, it is not an emotion. So here, that's perhaps what it's saying. The blessings come upon you. And you'll see the blessing. The greatest blessing is to realize how blessed you are. Continuing. So here are the blessings. These are the blessings that if you live a virtuous, meritorious, noble life, you live a life embracing God and His will, then God showers you with the blessing. And what is that blessing? Baruch ba'ir basada. You're blessed. I'm tempted to start singing for you, but I won't. You're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field. Meaning, you're blessed at home, you're blessed when you travel, you're blessed at home, you're blessed in the field means at work. You'll see blessing in your private life, you'll see blessing in your professional life. Baruch ufri ufri Blessed shall be the fruit, the pre- Bitnecha, your beten, the fruit of your womb. This is a reference to children, fertility. One of the great blessings is you'll be fertile. You'll have children easily. Ufri ad mascha, and your land needs to be fertile. If you have children, you've got to feed them something. And if your land's not fertile and doesn't produce, that's not much of a blessing to have all those children. So the second blessing is priad mascha, ufri vehemtecha, and if you need milk for those children, you need cows. Your cows, your animals need to produce. For your animals to be fertile is a bracha. Shkar alafecha, tzanecha, the offspring of your cattle, your sheep, your goats. Baruch tanaacha umishartecha. What's tanaacha? Rashi says, Pasakei Rashi, Perosecha, your fruit. And what's mishartecha? Davar yavish, shenishar bekli zav. This is your dry goods that sits in a utensil. It means your food. So you're blessed in your private life, your professional life. You'll be blessed at home and in the field. You'll be blessed your fertility, your ground, your land, your earth will be fertile, your animals will be fertile, your fruit will grow, and your dry goods will be plentiful. Okay? Look at the Orachayim. Barach Privit Necha. 
Me'ovet Edom Hagisya Shenechlas at Slo Aran Atora, Ma'atzum Pri Bitno Bizman Muat, Ka'omram Shishto, Kaloso Yodu Kalacha Shisha Bekaris Echad. Right? The blessing of acting virtuous is to have multiples, right? To multiply, to have many, many children. What is Barachatab? I'm sorry, uh, I didn't read Pasik Vav yet. Barachatab Echa. The last of the baruchs are you'll be blessed in your comings and in your goings. What does that mean to be blessed in your comings and your goings? What does that mean? Well, the comings will get good tidings. Yeah. Everything you do. Says the Ibn Ezra, Pasik Vav. Says the Ibn Ezra, Batesacha. In business, in your activities, your goings and your comings, your whole day, in everything that you're doing. Everything you do, you'll find success in everything you do and everywhere that you will go. Says Rashi, no. Disagrees with the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra sees it as a blessing in this world. Says Rashi, your exiting the world will be as blessed as you're entering the world. Namely, you'll be free of sin. You'll be, if you live a virtuous life, you'll be as blessed on your way out, meaning clean, free, pure, as you were on your way in. I love the imagery here. Those were individual blessings. The collective national blessing now is that God will place the enemies who rise against you in your hand. They'll come at you in one way, and when they're running away, they'll run away in seven, on seven paths. Rashi, what does it mean to run away in seven paths? When a person is fleeing, running, they're scattered. When they come at you, they're organized, they're strategic. But when they come up against you and you've got God on your side, when they're running away from you, they will be scattered, fleeing, running all over. Running all over. Right? This is the great bracha of our national safety and security. We will be so strong. I ran... Uh, I mean, there's no shortage now I could go into. Egypt, Syria, Hamas, Hezbollah, the north, the south, the east, they'll all come at you, but they'll be fleeing from seven ways. They won't be able to touch you. Hashem will be with you. Yitzav Hashem itcha is habracha ba'asamecha u'v'chol meshlach yadecha u'v'yiracha ba'art asher Hashem alokecha nosen lach. Yitzav Hashem, God will command, He will be with you, He will bring blessing ba'asamecha. What's asamecha? What's asamecha? Says the Ibn Ezra, Rashi took a little vacation here. Your utsros. What are utsros? Your storehouses. Your storehouses will be filled with grain, filled with produce. Why are storehouses called asamecha? Look at this fantastic, fantastic balaturim. Says the balaturim of Yaakov ben Asher. Asamecha is begematria zehu samui. The root of the word asamecha, storehouse, is samui, hidden. Why? According to Gemara Tainus, Tavches, Ein Habracha Matsuya Elabadavra Samoy Minha Ayin. Blessing resides in that which is hidden from the eye. Right? This is the real answer what Ayin Hara is. Ayin Hara is not some mystical superstitious EBG before us, as we spoke about in the past. It means you want blessing in your life, don't show off about it. You want blessing in your life, modest, private. People who walk around talking about how much money they made, this great stock they bought and it tripled and they made so much money. You were successful? You were blessed with success? Quiet. Shh. Shashtel. Quiet. Keep it under wraps. Keep it quiet. It doesn't mean if you have a good stock tip you shouldn't share it with your friends. You care about people. Certainly with your rabbi. But, uh, but, um, but if you want real blessing, you don't, you don't publicize it and you don't celebrate it publicly. It needs to be something which is quiet. I think I've shared it with you in the past. Right? When I dated my wife, then I would say we broke up. But she broke up. We were about to get engaged. She dumped me. We got back together six weeks later. And when we got back together the second time, I vividly remember, we did not date publicly. We didn't go out to restaurants. We, didn't do, we just we got together in appropriate play. We, we volunteered to babysit for my nieces. My sister Rosbeth, they benefited from this uh, philosophy. <laughs> right? we did, and why? She said, to, she said to me, 
You know, too many people knew we were dating last time, too many opinions, too many people got involved. Just keep, let's keep it quiet. Keep it quiet, the whole world doesn't have to know. So Asamecha, it's called, Asamecha, storehouses are called, Asamecha, Milash and Samoy. Keep it quiet, you don't have to, you don't have to show it off. Pasuk Tes. Pasuk Tes. Yikim Hashem lo la'am kadosh, God will establish you as a holy nation as He promised you. Where did He promise us? Says the Ramban. Look at the Ramban. Says the Ramban. Yikim Hashem lo la'am kadosh, kasher nishbalacha. Yikim nishbal. Habrus hashikar zimam bahar sinai. Akod varma elu. Vatem tiyulim mamlachas konim v'goy kadosh. God promised us we will be for him a mamlachas konim v'goy kadosh. Where second pshat says the Ramban is, where did God make us the promise with Avraham that we will be a sacred nation? This was the relationship that we entered with, with God, the fulfillment of the promise. God says, you keep your end of the deal, I'll keep my end of the deal. Your end of the deal is to be a holy nation, to live at a higher level, to teach the world what it means to live a mission-driven life, a purposeful life, and I keep my end of the bargain that you will be a mamlachas konon goy kadosh and amsegula. And so says the Pasuk, Ki sishmor es mitzvah Hashem lakecha v'yalach tebedrachav. And what happens when you do that? V'ra'u kol ameh ha'aretz ki shem Hashem nekra alecha v'yaru mimeka. The nations of the world see that God's name is nekra alecha. Translate those words, nekra alecha. The name of Hashem is Nikra Alacha. It's called out. It's proclaimed Alacha on you. Viyaru Mimeka, and they will fear you. What does it mean God's name is proclaimed on you? Where is God's name proclaimed on you? So there's a Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara in Megillah says that, Daftaz um, Tezayin, Gemara Megillah says that this is a reference to Elu Tfilin Shel Rosh. Kishem Hashem Nikra Alacha, Elu Tfilin Shel Rosh. This is Tefillin Shabarosh. The Gemara says there, where is God's name upon us on the Tefillin Shabarosh? God's name is Shaddai. The two shins on the sides of the Shabarosh. And the Dao, the knot in the back, and the Yud, which is on the arm Tefillin, spell out God's name, Shem Hashem and they will see that we are wearing our Tefillin Shabarosh, and they will be afraid of us. A few interesting things about this reference to the Tefillin Shel Rosh. By the way, the Balaturim says this explicitly. It says the Balaturim, Shem Hashem Nekra, Rashi Tevo, Shin. Shem Hashem Nekra, the first letter of each of those words, Shin. And then uh, Yud, for Hashem's name. Nun, Nekra, Shin. Perush, Shin Shel Tefillin. This is the Shin of Tefillin, Shem Hashem Nekra, Lachav Yerumi Mecca, and they will then be afraid of us, says the Balaturim. Lomar Shabbos Tefillin Yosir Yamim Dechsev Adonai Alechem Yechiyu. That in the merit of Tefillin they fear us, says Rav Moshe Feinstein. Very interesting uh, observation. The Gemara in Menachos says that from the pasuk V'hayu Lachal Aus Al Yadecha, right? It says that. Tefillin shall yad v'hayu lechal aus al yadecha. The tefillin shall be a sign on your arm. Lecha, it should be a sign for us, but not for others. And from here we learn that the arm tefillin should be covered by our clothing. Man is wearing short sleeves should still pull the short sleeves over the arm tefillin. The arm tefillin are not exposed. The arm tefillin are supposed to be covered. Why then the tefillin shall rosh the head tefillin v'ro kol ame ha'aret kishem Hashem lokeh kishem Hashem nikra alacha. Yerumi Mecca, Elu Tzilin Shabarosh. Tzilin Shabarosh specifically should be exposed. The world should see. We want the nations of the world to see. Then they fear us. What's the difference between the two? So Rav Moshe said the following. He says, before you can be mashpia, before you want to have an influence on the nations of the world, you first have to be sincere in your own heart. The armed Tzilin points to our heart. The armed Tzilin is about us. And what do we put on first when we put our Tzilin on? Yeah. Tzilin Shalyad. First put your tefillin shalyad. First purify your own heart, and then you can worry about the impact and influence on the uh, other nations of the world. As the Gemara says, First, improve, beautify, repair yourself, and then you can repair others. You can't, while we are covered in blemishes, be worried about repairing other people. 
So we put the tefillin shel yad on first. Those tefillin are covered. First in a concealed, covered, private, modest way, work on yourself. And only then, the tefillin shel rosh, put on the tefillin shel rosh, which are revealed for the nations to see, the yaro mimeka, and to fear us, kishem Hashem. We have Hashem's name literally on our being. We live a life in which our very essence, we promote godliness. I'll tell you another fascinating marshal, Rab Shlomo Luria, the marshal. It's a machlokas. It's a machlokas Rishonim, Rashi Tosos, the Ramban, the Rambam rather. It's a machlokas in Shulchan Arach. Do we wear tefillin on Cholamoid? How many men here wear tefillin on Cholamoid? Oh, so you see, it's, a, it's interesting. In the past, the majority of men would have raised their hand. Today, it's very few raised their hand. I think it's a combination of a lot of reasons. Many people, Davin Nesachsfar, they don't wear tefillin. Yeah, Ashkenaz. Absolutely, it makes a big difference. The Yekas, the Germans absolutely wear tefillin. Those who Davin Nesachsfar do not wear tefillin. In Eretz Yisrael, Menachah Gra is not to wear tefillin. Yushalayim, they're very strict. You can't wear tefillin even... And on the Grah Shul, they make you no, sit you in the women's section. They tell you to take it off. Or they make you sit in the women's section. on Cholamoid. So it's a machlok. Because Rabbi Yosef Cairo, the, the uh, authority of Sfarim, says, we wear to, says, I'm sorry that it's forbidden to wear tefillin on Cholamoid. The Ramar of Moshe Isla says, you're obligated to wear tefillin on Cholamoid. What's the difference? It's a big discussion for another time. But is Cholamoid more Chol or is it more Moed? What's Cholamoid? Is it really a weekday? That has a little component of the holiday? Or is it really the holiday which has a component of weekday? Is it more chol or is it moed? Cholamoid. So that's the machlokas between the machaber and the ramah to wear tefillin on cholamoid or not. So it says the maharshal, says Rabbi Shlomo Luria, you could bring a proof to the ramah that you should wear tefillin. Zev is right. Why? Because the Mar Megillah says that Elu tefillin shabarosh, that you have to wear tefillin um, like we just saw from our Pasuk. So, tefillin contains an allusion to God's name. Hashem's name is proclaimed on us when we wear the tefillin. How is it proclaimed? Shin Dalad Yud. We have Hashem, one of divine's names, on us. The numerical value of Shin Dalad Yud is 300. 300. Says the Marshal, this hints to the 300 days in the year on which one is obligated to wear tefillin. 314. The numerical value, I'm sorry, of Shin is 300, correct. The numerical value of Shin, Kishem Hashem Nekralacha, the Shin, as the, Rabbinit, as the uh, Balaturim said, the Shin. The Shin is 300. Take away the 52 Shabbases that we don't wear tefillin. If you have 365 days a year, take away the 52 Shabbases, leaves 313 days of the year. One is also exempt from wearing tefillin the four days of Pesach, two days of Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, four days of Sukkot, for a total of 13. If you don't wear tefillin on Cholamoid, you'll be left with two few remaining days. In other words, only if you wear tefillin on Cholamoid do you get to the 300, which is the same as Shin. Ki Shem Hashem Nekra the Shin of Shem Hashem. So it's a cute, I don't know if you're into that kind of thing, it's a cute gematria, a reference to Shem Hashem Nekra Alacha. Elu tefillin Okay, continuing. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Vosir Hashem Latova Privit Nechavri Ventecha, Ofriad Masecha, Allah Damasha Nishba Hashem Lavasecha, La Seis Lach. Says the Torah, God will give you bountiful goodness, overwhelming, overflowing, bountiful goodness. By the way, I couldn't help but notice because we spoke about it recently in the Daf Yomi, Daf Msachem has a big discussion about Ame Haaretz. Who's an Ame Haaretz? Don't let your daughter marry an Ame Haaretz. And we discussed the difference between a, a uh, Ame Haaretz versus Derech Eretz. We talked about that last week, one night. So here the Torah, Veru called Ame Haaretz. This is the Torah's use of that term, Ame Haaretz. Which the Torah means literally as the nations of the world, but we talk about an ignorant Chudlam Jew as a Ame Haaretz, the greatest insult that we can level against, uh, against another Jew. Anyway, Pasuket Beis. Yiftach Hashem l'chal sotzorah tovas Hashemayim. God should open up His storehouse of good, the heavens, metar tzachah bi'ito, to give rain bi'ito. This is the greatest blessing, bi'ito. To have rain, but not bi'ito, to have rain, but not in its time, is in fact not a blessing. Flood. Too much rain creates flooding, creates problems, is a curse. Bi'ito is the blessing. To bless everything we do, we be in a, we should be in a position to loan, lend to others, but we not need to borrow. Right? That's the blessed position to have the assets to lend to others, but not to be in a position to need to borrow. That's the 
That's the, uh, the hope. If you look at the Orachayim, he says something that if other people said it, we might accuse them of anti-Semitism. Right? The Jews control the economy of the world. If someone said that, we accuse them of anti-Semitism. Says Rav, uh, Rav Yaakov ben Atad, the Orachayim, that Jews control the world's economy. Hine yadua, when Jews are behaving properly, then the entire world economy prospers as a result on, in their merit. Right? By our not needing to borrow and being in a position exclusively to loan, we will be in the position that shows that it's in our merit that the economy is prospering. In the merit of the Jewish people. Okay. Pasuk. Yud Gimel. Unisancha Hashem l'rosh v'lo l'zanav. Ve'ayisa rak l'mala v'lo z'yelamata. We should be the head and not the tail. We'll be on top and on the bottom. Where do you recognize this terminology from? We're going to be doing Rosh it Hashanah. shortly. The Rosh Hashanah Seder. Those who at the Rosh Hashanah table do the Seder. The head of the fish and the carrots and the leek and the, all the things that we... Uh, the pomegranate all of the symbols of blessing. I think many of it come from here, actually. A lot of these symbolisms we've covered here. Why does it say Lirosh? Why doesn't it say Rosh? Unisan Hashem Rosh. I saw this vort. Someone was talking about Rosh Hashanah, right? We say, you should be Lirosh Zanav. For the head and not for the tail. What do you mean for the head? Be the head. Well, it also means somebody who's going to be the chief. So, so the answer is, Lirosh means we should all be heading in the same direction. To be the Rosh is, everyone's competing for the top spot. Everyone wants to be the big man on campus, that leads to conflict, that leads to problems. Lirosh, in the same direction, be at the lead rather than Rosh. That's not the, uh, that's not the bracha. Says the Ramban, Lerosh velolazanav, Biro Lerosh lekola amim, velolazanav laechad mikola goyim. Ki tachin shi Lerosh al amim, rabim, vezanav la amechad nechbad mimenu. You could be the head of some nations, but the tail of other nations. So the brach is Lerosh velolazanav. Be the head of all and lolazanav of any. May the United Nations worship the state of Israel and follow everything that they say. Lerosh velolazanav. On top, and not on the bottom. Yudalad, to finish. Don't stray from everything I'm telling you, right or left. We saw that expression earlier. And what would it mean to stray right or left? Would be to follow other nations, uh, to follow other gods, and to worship them. Look at the comment of the Sephorno, Rav Avadya Sephorno. One of the longest comments of the Sephorno. Chumash. Don't distort any of God's will. And don't become so casual and accustomed to mitzvahs that they're stale, they're rote, they're habit. He goes on and on with some historical references to the time of Rome, to the Hashemunayim, and so on. But his point is, Don't stray. Follow God. Don't do it casually. Don't do it flippantly. Don't become habit, creatures of habit, and rote. Stay honest. Stay authentic. Stay passionate. And when you do, you will be showered with all of this blessing. Have a fantastic week.